Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sounders Collection interview series. This is Michael Coleman, and this week I spoke with director Mark Levinson about his documentary film Particle Fever. I had a chance to see Particle Fever in theaters and really enjoyed how Mark followed these six scientists during the launch of the Large Hadron Collider, marking the startup of the biggest and most expensive experiment in the history of the planet. Mark also has an incredible background as a former theoretical physicist with a doctorate from UC Berkeley and also managed to find time to do ADR supervising sound work. We also discussed his collaboration with film editor Walter Murch and how they tackled this incredible story which was shot over 7 years. I hope you enjoy. Well, congratulations on the success of this film. It feels like it the film came out a while ago, but it continues to get great reviews and attention and I'm sure you're excited just about the excitement around this film. Oh yeah, no, it's uh it's it, it really is sort of amazing. I mean, obviously we really we were hoping it would have a broader audience than a sort of just a science audience or anything like that, but um it's uh resonated really deeply with people in a very gratifying way and mm-hmm. and now, I mean, yeah, in some sense you know it seems like well okay we did our theatrical which was you know very good for a for a documentary it was really excellent right. but now it's it's you know people continue to book it and it's doing unbelievable in on uh Netflix fantastic uh, you know it's really i mean just looking at it i think it's it's got to be a big hit for them <laughs> because uh even just looking at films that have like even won academy awards in the past year uh we're already just uh, they only they don't give you the exact data but you can just see how many people have rated it sure which, which is probably uh, you know vastly undercounting i mean i don't even rate things myself often so right. so uh you know there's like 220,000 people that have rated it so oh, wow. at least two or three times that have watched it which is you know really pretty astonishing that's exciting and um yeah. I, i guess when you when you were first you know in pre-production of this film or even maybe just circling the idea of doing this film what was the the moment for you when you decided to pursue this what what was the reason for even pursuing the story well um i i think as you know i actually uh, many years ago got a phd in theoretical particle physics right so uh you know rather at the, at the time rather unconventional uh preparation for filmmaking uh, especially because i moved into the narrative world and so i really was in the narrative world for all those years and you know doing my own stories which had nothing to do with physics and then you know my my day job uh was was you know I became this ADR supervisor that you know worked a lot with Anthony so I uh you know had been working in that realm and you know I guess I actually had always thought that maybe at some point I would uh write a script you know that somehow connected these different strands in my life um uh, because I didn't think Uh, you know i i just didn't think science was really well depicted in right. the mainstream media and then you know i heard about this project i actually it was actually interesting i i had a script that had been invited i had been invited to submit it to uh, some potential investors actually in the bay area of all oh, things oh nice okay um, and they told me about this guy uh who was a physicist who was trying to make a documentary about this oh, uh, wow. okay. experiment and that was david kaplan mm-hmm. and but you know they actually said you know what he had no film experience and they didn't know if the experiment would work and they didn't know if they'd find anything if it worked and so they you know they uh, didn't think it was a good bet um but i thought it might be a great bet uh yeah. and you know i could see the potential for making a dramatic film and that was 
interesting. So, you know, I, I, I got David's information and I contacted him and I said that, you know, I, I was not interested in doing a traditional science documentary that was just going to be, you know, trying to explain things and informational. Sure. But yeah. if we could make something that I could use my narrative storytelling techniques and, and um, skills and make it character-based and really make it a, a, a theatrical feature, that would be really interesting. And, and he was all for it. So. Okay. So uh, as soon as I heard that, then I decided let's 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 do it. And I I actually had another a script that I thought I was going to be working on, but this obviously had to be pursued now because uh, you know when I met him in 2007, they were actually yep. still, still thinking it might start up early in the next year, and you know we ended up basically just getting it together in time to uh, for me to get over there in 2000, you know, in August 2008. To be able to capture uh, the the first attempt uh, to start it up, and I, I guess when you were in in two thousand and seven, how long did you think did you think this project was in go for? Did you have any sense of how long it might take to capture the full story that you were hoping for? <laughs> a very unrealistic one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, again, and I had never done a documentary before, sure. so I was also used to a different time scale. Uh, I mean, with a you know, because with a feature, in, in some sense. I mean, you know, the the long time is the development and getting the script and getting the financing. But once you start shooting, it's a sort of predictable time span and and editing period. And so I yeah. thought, okay, well, if we start shooting the next year, maybe a year and a half, um, you know, that uh, I could shoot for a year and then have a half a year of editing. Yeah. And uh, obviously, that was totally unrealistic. What, yeah, I mean, what, what did you find when you were at least in production stage of trying to capture the story that you were hoping to capture and how much of it unfolded and, and then evidently how much of it was made up or, you know, reconstructed or just finessed in the edit? Well, you know, when I started, people really, pretty much all the physicists said that they that it would be very unlikely that they would find the Higgs while we were filming. Oh, wow. Okay. Because they said they said that first of all it's such an incredibly rare event and it'll take them years, it'll take the experimentalists years to understand their detectors, it'll take yeah. them a long time to under, you know to really be able to filter out the data because you know there's so much other junk basically. And 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 I guess they also didn't expect I'd be filming for years. Yeah. Um, so I was not thinking that the end of this was going to be the discovery of the Higgs. I mean, mm. I really thought it was going to be more about the process. Actually, I think most people thought that they might discover a new particle, but not the Higgs. Oh, okay. And so, but we really weren't sure. So I was actually trying to construct things in my mind or sort of in, in the shooting that could be dramatic. And so one of the ideas was that it would be more about the competition between the theorists and experimentalists, for instance, yeah. or th that it could be competition between the experiments. I thought that was a very viable story. So we really only focused on Atlas, which is the, the one of the experiments. Mm -hmm. But there's uh, this other experiment called CMS, which um, is on the opposite side of the ring and, and essentially looking for the same things. I mm -hmm. mean, uh, they, they really are looking for the same particles, looking for the Higgs. And so I initially was covering that and covering people there. I had people, characters there that I was uh, covering that were uh, relatively, uh, you know, equivalent to uh, Monica and to Fabiola mm -hmm. and uh, thought that that might be the story. And, you know, if when it first started, it just went, 
that could have been more because you know there there wasn't the drama about it, uh, you know, having to get started again or anything like yeah. that. Um, once the accident happened, then things really changed uh, in many ways. First of all, I mean, my initial reaction was, you know, this is a, could be a complete disaster if this never even starts up. Yeah. I don't have much of a film. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I, I realized that, well, it probably will start. And then actually, it's a great dramatic hook, you know, that there's this big accident. On the other hand, is it is it going to start up and how long is that going to take? And we really didn't know. And so um, I was really continually sort of assessing where is you know where can we get to where what could be the end of the film and following different stories when when the LHC was down mm-hmm. for instance uh, the theorists all got really interested in dark matter oh, okay. and, and other experiments that were not at the LHC so there's various experiments that were being done underground uh, and and uh, with space uh, with satellites that where they were trying to detect dark matter directly and we followed this whole other story that there was a possibility that they would have discovered things before the LHC even turned on. Oh, wow. And so that seemed like it could be a possible story. Hmm. And then they got it started up again, and when they reached this, you know, really this new energy frontier, that seemed to me like it was possibly the first end that I could imagine for the film, that, you know, we reached this new frontier. It's a it's you know it's a new uh, level of, of human accomplishment, and that's when we first started editing. But that was all in 2010, so it was already two years into the process. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and uh, okay. then yeah. you know uh, there started being hints that they might find something. So uh-huh. then, of course, well, we can't stop before they found something. Right. So so it was a continual reassessment, and even right to the end when um, when Walter came on, because so, I had started with another editor. And Walter, when Walter came on uh, at the in you know early 2012, mm-hmm. the big announcement had still not happened. Oh wow! Were so only hints, and we were trying to. But we thought that you know I, when I got him to to come on, we thought it was maybe going to be three or four months to really sort of finesse what we had. You know yeah. that it was there was some hints of something, and you know it was interesting but not definitive. And then, of course, they made the big announcement, and I went out and shot all this new material, mm-hmm. and with the spectacular result that it had, and this very, you know, very interesting, ambiguous result. Mm-hmm. And it took us another year to 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 reincorp to incorporate that, and and you know, really set up the uh, the whole uh, end so that people would understand it. How was it then for you to to just be in that position of kind of being at the mercy of this kind of moving target, and, and ultimately knowing that at some point. You're going to need to try to put a, a period at the end of the sentence so you can wrap up your story. Did you, was there a question of, you know, we have enough to tell a story or, or was there at some point this kind of agreeance, like the, the mission you set off to tell, the, the story that you wanted to tell was going to hopefully come at some point? Uh, it was very uncertain. I mean, it was uncertain, you know, many, you know, both <laughs> professionally, personally. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, because we also we had to keep getting more money, and mm. you know I had to keep assessing how long I could keep doing this, and when we you know, but you know the driving, you know the 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 the, the sort of driving force was yeah. we needed to have a film and an end that seemed complete. 
Um, and, you know, it wasn't certain uh, that we had something so definitive. And I, I, I mean, I thought that we had a film that was interesting just based on the unique access we had and the sure. fact that our characters moved into interesting roles. But um, it was not clear it was going to have such a dramatic impact. I mean, because the fact that they had this definitive discovery was really lucky while we were yeah. shooting it. It's something, you know, really only in, in, in retrospect, to what we all look back and, and realize that we captured a monumental discovery, scientific experiment, while it mm. happened. And I, I don't know that that's ever happened before. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, sure. Uh, or, or when it is going to happen again. And, and you know, um, we were just really lucky in the end that um, the timing worked out. We were still shooting. I mean, it's one of those things where I certainly had hoped or, or many points that I would have been finished with this film. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, now I'm very happy that it didn't. And somehow <laughs> that, that expen- you know, that time now seems compressed. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, it wasn't so bad, you know. Only uh, after, after the fact, yeah. Yes. So, and, you know, once it really was announced, then it was so clear this is the end because, mm. you know, we also had the fact that we knew that they were going to turn down, turn off the machine. Mm. And so I didn't have to worry that, you know, two months after we finished editing, suddenly there was going to be a new announcement of another, another discovery or something like yeah. that we wouldn't have. So it really worked out uh, perfectly for us in the end. But, yeah. no, it was very, very uncertain. And, um, you know, at, at a certain point when I was in this muddle of, you know, when is this going to end? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, you know, emailing with Walter because I, I had moved here. You know, yeah. he still lives in the Bay Area. And he actually sent me uh, this quote from uh, uh, Hitchcock mm. that said, you know, Hitchcock had supposedly said that in, in, in feature fiction films, uh, the director is God, and in documentaries, God is the director. And ah. so, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I tried to take. Yeah. Uh, solace in that. Oh my gosh! And how was it in terms of um, drawing together the story of 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 what you're trying to capture, but then also having, I guess, the knowledge. I mean, because both obviously both you and Walter come from sound backgrounds, and now you're you're diving into doing your you know a pretty ambitious documentary project that's going to span many years. What 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 was it that you could I guess kind of planned for or what was the unexpected even of just well you know I, I mean well i did really you know my, my day job was sound I mean, yeah. what i really was doing was writing and 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 actually you know uh working on narrative scripts and mm-hmm. and actually directed another film too okay. so i really approached it and then and when walter came on the same thing we approached it like a narrative film but i you know in, in some sense you know I really approached it as a writer okay. and as a director. And so right from the beginning, I was thinking in terms of story structure and script, uh, even though, of course, it wasn't scripted. But, but uh, you know, I was, I was always, and, 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 it, and it certainly informed my shooting, you know, that when I was there, I was very conscious of things that I, you know, thought really would have the potential to help the narrative story along. Yeah. Uh, sometimes didn't know if it would or not, but, but I was very much thinking in those terms. Um, uh, so that, in some sense, eased my entry into it. On the other hand, as 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 you know, you're alluding to as well. Um, there was a sense of uh, you know just having to adapt and and it getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think 
if I was aware at the beginning how long it would take and, and the magnitude of it, I, mm -hmm. it might have been intimidating. I think it's one of those things, you know, and I, it's probably true with most films. You just, you have to sort of go in a little blind. I think sure. it was, I think it was a big advantage in the end that I had never made a documentary. Okay. Uh, and, and that Walter hadn't, hadn't cut one either. And so we, we approached it in a certain way that was familiar and I think lent it something that is unique, which is, the fact that this film, uh, you know, that is a somewhat of a science film, yeah. actually plays like a just a dramatic uh, narrative story. Yeah, and uh, what was it about? You know, I guess the, the I mean the collaboration between you and Walter. Obviously, you were together many years and many pictures together. But when you got to the point of thinking about the structure of this film and, and he's coming in, did you leave it up to him to kind of take a, a, a pass at it, or was there direction that? you guys were working no, together on I already had a cut of the film when he came on. Right. So I had been working with him. I, I had been working you know, with another editor, and then, yep. and then I sort of put something together. I had actually avoided sending Walter a complete cut because I, yep. you know, of course, wanted to show him something as good as possible. Yep. Um, and finally did send him something at the end of 2011, which was, you know, maybe about a two and a quarter, two and a half hour cut. Yeah. It didn't have the discovery. Uh, it was, you know, it was. I mean, the, 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 there was a basic structure of, you know, you, the startup, the accident, recovery, and something. Um, but um, it was very rough. Yeah. And there were a lot of other. There were. There were. It still included these different diversions. Uh, this whole little episode on dark matter and okay. things like that. And. Um, but when he came on, I mean, well, so one of the great things, first of all, is that Walter um, really does know science. And, right, and, <laughs> sure. You know, and so that's, and I, I think you were, you were at the screening at the Exploratorium, right? Um, I was, no? uh, let's see, I was at a, no, actually, no, I, I saw it in Berkeley. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, David Magal, so you were there. So, yeah. so, you know, Walter and I met because of his fantastic interest in science when yeah. I was just starting to get in, when I was just starting to get interested in, uh, when I was, you know, getting started in film, I was just an assistant editor. I was working, mm. <coughs> excuse me, mm. at the Salzance right. Film Center. Uh, and, and Walter was, he was at the time, Walter was cutting the unbearable lightness of being. Okay. And he heard that there was somebody in the building with a PhD in physics. Oh. And so he sent an assistant down to see if I would go out to lunch with him and talk to him about string theory. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, so we met. Uh, we, you know, it's really sort of ironic. We actually met many years ago because of physics and then developed a, a film relationship. And, you know, we mm. became friends and I worked with him on English Patient, Talented Mr. Ripley and, and these yeah. other films. Um so, so we had a very good working relationship, and and, and I think had a, a very good sense of what works, and 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 in fact could use our experience on other films as a shorthand of like, oh yeah, this reminds us of a problem that we had on Ripley or on sure, Colbert, sure, 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 yeah, like that, and and work it out. But you know, uh, we it was very we had a very similar idea of what the structure sh should be, and mm. was a question of how we got there. Also, because he came on. You know, much later, he didn't have a chance to go through all the material, which he normally would do. So, yeah. especially initially, he was very dependent on me to sort of guide him. So, you know, and he started with as long a cut as I had, you know, so he could see everything. And then, you know, he would start to experiment and, you know, I see where he was going and I could tell him to look at other things. And then as I shot more material, we, we really sort of developed this uh, 
you know, protocol in a sense where I would, you know, I'd be shoot, I'd shoot material, I would process it, I would make selects, and I'd send things over to him, and then he would do his magic with mm. it, and then we would look at it, and we'd reassess it, and then I might say, okay, here's something else that you know you you may not have seen that you can look at, and you know that became a very iterative process. Yeah, and um, how did you find in terms of uh, being there at you know on site with all this activity going on of, of trying to replicate that when you got, um, I guess, to the mixing stages of, of with your sound and uh, the, the film was, the music was done by Robert Miller and I guess just trying to build the excitement and to, you know. Well, so yeah, I mean, look, we, we always, as I said, we always were intending this to be a theatrical film and of yeah. course, uh, with Walter and me, we were also very interested in the sound. Yeah, sure. And, and I think that was the idea too, is that we we were going to use everything in our toolkit to make a dramatic theatrical film, which meant that's you know the way we would structure it, the way we would cut it, the yeah. way we would do sound, that we would actually do sound design and and integrate the music, and so um, that was always an idea. And you know we felt we had the potential for very interesting sound design just because we had this amazing machine and uh, yeah. um, you know and 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 an otherworldliness. And so um, our sound designer, uh, Tom Paul, of course, was ecstatic to, to have you know Walter be there to be working with Walter yeah. and knowing that somebody was going to be really paying attention to this. And Robert Miller, the composer, was, mm -hmm. is a huge science fan himself, and he actually has done music for the uh, Planetarium here in New York. Oh, nice. Know? So he was very interested. Um, but, uh, you know, I think uh, one of the things that, I mean, was 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 it was very interesting with 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 Tom with doing the sound design because uh, you know you don't typically do that much on a documentary, right? Um, but in this case, we were treating it like a dramatic film, and, and and it was very interesting because he was creating and augmenting sounds for like these real um, uh, technological wonders. Uh, and uh, you know, as if it was like a Star Wars thing, except this was real things. Yeah, sure. And I think that was very interesting to him. And you know, we wanted to uh, augment, but you know, create an interesting sound environment for something that, uh, yeah, as I say, that was real. Uh, mm -hmm. And you know, as opposed to you know, laying in sound for some CGI animations of you know lasers and you know things like that yeah um and you know the idea was to you know create something that was evocative and inspiring and uh you know musically i wanted something that was it, it, it you know that was also not obvious and that you know somehow i i, I mean one of my notes to robert was always that i really liked to have percussive elements i mean the idea of particles and things like that sure. capturing that sense uh and the sense of wonder so those were all elements that we were trying to incorporate and and um you know i encouraged robert and tom to interact and luckily i mean they knew each other and they did and so uh you know i think that worked out really fortuitously i mean i think in fact, better than in many big features, where often the composer is off doing his own thing and the sound designer is doing their own thing, and yeah. you know you get into the mix and everybody's competing, and we rarely had that. I mean, they they were sort of aware of what each other was doing, mm -hmm. and so um, you know we could go in and know that okay, this 
you know, element was going to be covered more by music and, you know, not by effects or, or here we're going to have, you know, effects more predominant. And so I think that was um, an important element that, uh, you know, and an important instance of coordination that I think really worked out quite well. Mm. Did you find that in terms of um, bringing in the sound design and your soundtrack um, was helping to kind of smooth some of the edges? Or, I mean, at what point did you did you kind of lean on it to help story in terms of progressing? Did, did you have to rely on, on it in that way? We relied more on music in earlier stages, sure. actually, rather than the, than the sound effects. I mean, we had some, and Tom would give us some early things, but things were changing, you know, so much. Yeah. Um, and he was very busy, and and also, you know, one of the key element, key places where we needed sound effects was in the animation, and the animation came in very late because essentially the, the animation is tied to sort of the science and explaining things and yeah. and we really um, for the most part um, approached this first as constructing a dramatic narrative and had a very almost no science in it so we were we were you know Walter and I were focused on telling the story in a dramatic way and then going back and putting in science at, at the key points and our our, our mantra was, uh, just enough, just in time. Oh, okay. Um, and so, but it was a real process. And but because of that, and 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 also, you know, I always wanted the graphics to feel like they came organically out of the story. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was really we were using a lot of temporary things that Walter had grabbed from CERN or something else, uh, sometimes even just black, uh, to hold places and and. Um, then would go to our graphics company and decide, okay, this is where we really need to have this. And, you know, they would design something, but then it was an iterative process because, of course, their images would then need the sound design and the music. And, okay. Um, uh, uh, but because we were only, you know, it was a very late stage when we were putting it in, it became a, a sort of a crunch. Oh, <laughs> so gosh, yeah. we had music. Um, you know, we were using as as usual with mm. films. Um, we were using a lot of temp music initially. Some mm. of it was Robert Miller's music from another film that I really liked. Okay. Um, and then gradually he would start to give us, um, you know, uh, templates for other things, and we'd start to incorporate that and start to replace things. Um, and then I could give that to uh, Tom, and and he would work on the effects, and then you know hope that it all came together at the end and huh. and Walter um, you know one of Walter's really great skills is with music and so he would he was really dealing with the music and 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 cutting it and interacting a lot with Robert and, mm. and you know I think the Robert I remember the first cue that he had given us was for the what we call the magnificent machine that that moment when Monica describes seeing the machine for the first time and there's this incredible moment and she she talks about how even for her there was this sort of jaw-dropping moment of seeing this thing and Robert had given us a cue and and Walter took it and then he used it and you know reacting to the music he recut the picture and recut the music to to go with that as well, and then and then Robert came in, and we showed it to him. And I mean, I remember it was just great. I was watching Robert, and his jaw, his jaw was dropping. And and at the end, he just said, "Wow!" He said, "You're you're teaching me about my own music." Oh wow! And so uh, you know, Walter, you know, almost always 
would massage things and and play with them and repurpose them and you know and then and then luckily uh robert was was uh you know up for the the iterative process and so in the end uh, we also decided that uh, Walter was going to mix, mix the music on, uh, for the final mix. And so mm-hmm. he was so familiar with it. And we were in a total crunch to finish. And it just made a lot of sense because he knew what he had done a lot already. Mm-hmm. And so in the final mix, uh, Tom you know, did the dialogue and effects and, and, and Walter mixed the music. Oh, nice. And what, what can you say, I guess, for those people that are interested in potentially either directing or being, you know, any of these roles, editing, composing, of just a documentary films, because like you're saying, you had, you had someone financed it, obviously, in mm-hmm. the beginning, but then with documentaries, there's, there's, there's really, it, it could go endless, it could just continue in, um, in production, and so what was your, I guess, some of your takeaways and lessons learned about, you know, how, in, how to gauge what, what you're capable of doing with, with the resources and money you have, and, and people's time, and it just seems like, you have to have a crew that's so committed, otherwise, you know, you you can burn burn out very quickly. Well, the crew has to be committed. I mean, look, I I think the bottom line is it's no secret you have to be prepared for things to go on for a lot longer than you thought. Yeah, I mean, that was the you know, in in some sense, the big takeaway for me, uh, you know, not having done it. I mean, you know, I you know, coming from you know what I thought was you know a low independent feature, right. you might edit for <laughs> six months, you know, yeah, and and you know. People who are documentarians just sort of, you know, snorted when I said that. You know, I mean, it, I had no idea that it was almost a minimum of a year mm-hmm. for documentary editing. I mean, it makes sense because, in a sense, it's it's you're also it's it's your script writing. I yeah. mean, unless you have something that's very well defined, uh, with a, you know, some people could be you could be filming something where there's a court case and you know that that's going to happen at a certain time and then that's the end. Right. Um, but uh, I think many documentaries don't aren't like that Mm -hmm. and and even if they start out like that they don't end it and i i i I think you just have to really be committed and open to how your story is going to change but it does take time and it does take uh commitment um and you know technically i would say and this was something that i was actually i think i was uh, probably unusually prepared for yeah um, was making sure you get good sound and I, <laughs> okay. You know, a lot of you know, we were really lucky. I mean, our sound was really pretty good. But you know, I was oh, I, I knew I was interested in the sound. Yeah. And uh, I think that is important. And I think you know, I do know many people who have done documentaries where you know they give short shrift to the sound, and they pay for it in the end. I mean, that can be a very expensive thing to have to uh, mm-hmm. to have to compensate for later. And luckily, we didn't have to do that. Um, Having said that, one of the other interesting, unusual things about this film, sound-wise, mm-hmm. well, two things. One is, um, well, continuing that thread, um, we, you know, made the decision very early on. We were not going to have any sort of omniscient narrator, okay. you know, which typically one might do. But we did need to get information across, and and we would try. But the the idea was that we would, as I say, incorporate organically. And so, for instance. You know, one of the first things we realized is that that lecture that David gives, you know, mm-hmm. he gives a lecture at the beginning, which was a real lecture, but it could be a way to actually, we could really tailor that to what we needed. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for Walter and I, it was a very familiar role, you know, familiar process where, you know, he would cut things that would be on and off camera. And every time we go off camera, we could rewrite the lines 
um, which is what I would often do when I was working on ADR with him, mm. to be what we wanted. But we would then have David record it and have him, as if it was ADR, match his voice in the lecture. So instead of it being just a you know, <laughs> you know, sure. typically a typical uh, documentary voiceover, yeah. we we did it like a feature where he's matching his production voice, and so it feels just like it's his his lecture continuously, even though you know it was really carefully planned out what what he sure. would say, and so I think that was sort of unusual for a documentary, mm. um, you know, the way that we we really treated dialogue we you know we tried as i would do on on a big adr job to incorporate something seamlessly with what was verite footage basically mm, okay. um to keep you in the moment wow and what can you say in terms of uh partnering with with the, the studios ab uh abra how i can't even pronounce it abramorema Oh, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were well. They were. I mean, uh, it's really one guy, Richard Abramowitz. So that's yeah, where sure. Abramowitz, Richard Abramowitz. So you know, Richard is an is a booker basically. Yeah. And so he, you know, he had seen the film. We had actually shown it initially to. Uh, we had been involved with this company, uh, uh, Bond Strategy and Influence, that Mark Schiller has, and Mark had worked with Richard on the release of uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Okay. And he showed the film to Richard, and Richard was excited. And so, you know, we, we hired them basically to handle our distribution. And what, what can you say? Because I'm just looking at the, the history. It looks like Particle Fever is their top-grossing film, and it's incredible just to see the, the number of films that they've, they've managed. And I'm only bringing this up because I feel like a lot of times documentary films can live or die also by their distribution. But then... I guess you guys looks like the film's been out now and it, and it opened in about twenty seven theaters and but yet it just seems like you're saying like it it's it's had a success, uh, incredible run and it probably has to do to a lot of the um, the outreach and and excitement that you guys have had behind the film and, and just kind of a generally interested audience. Um, well, um, you know, I think what drove it was we had some really. We got we 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 got some great exposure at festivals, yeah. and so we ended up getting you know some very prestigious festival exposure. I mean, actually, right from the start, our very our first you know outing yeah. was Sheffield, and mm -hmm. uh, and we won the audience award, yeah. and that got a lot of attention. And then getting into Telluride and New York film festivals was really a big plug because neither of them take many documentaries at yeah. all let alone this and then and and we just started getting really great reviews okay. and so i think that's what drove it and there was a lot of interest in the physics community actually in the end we played in in uh, probably a hundred cities not 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 so it was much more than 20 whatever theaters sure, sure. uh we we played in about 100 theaters and you oh, know nice. we were you know i think richard was uh you know benefited from the fact that people you know, in the industry, people were hearing such good things about it because of the festivals. It was getting such good mm -hmm. festival play, yeah. and you know, people that have theaters, they they follow what's there. And then, uh, you know, we also got very early on, we got a commitment from uh, Karen Cooper at the Film Forum to show it in New York. Oh, fantastic! Okay. And so, the Film Forum is sort of the premier art house theater in the country, and many people look to see what she shows. And so, you know, uh, when they saw that she showed it, and it played to you know sell out audiences in New York for a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, then then they started getting interested in it, and uh, you know landmark chain came on and, and booked it in lots of theaters, 
and you know and richard has relationships with those people and so then it just yeah. sort of uh you know uh <coughs> snowballed in a sense uh, but it was just you know we had uh, phenomenal reviews i mean basically i mean you know a huge top of the uh art section art you know yeah. review from uh ao scott and uh and uh you know what was really surprising to me somewhat was the trade reviews which i always mm. thought well you know they're they they evaluate commercial potential like hollywood reporter and variety yeah and they both raved about it and 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 they talked about how it had you know broad wide audience appeal and so that of course gets audience a uh, theater attention theaters yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. I'm always I appreciate you giving some insight, just because I feel like the documentary film landscape is there's no right or wrong way. There is no proven you know track record of success, and I feel like everyone try, just like they will go after anything and any and everything that will potentially work. And I feel like you guys have really struck a chord and and found a great groove to um, find your audience. And obviously, you know. It, like you were saying in the beginning, of just even putting it on Netflix seems like it's a, a huge home run of even getting it out to a, even, you know, someone. Is that an international audience now at this point? It is. So, you know, yeah. Netflix is, um, you know, initially we were just talking to Netflix about the domestic deal. Yeah. But they're really right in the middle of really expanding internationally everywhere. And they they very quickly saw the potential for this. So, uh yeah. You know, it's now become a big international deal for them where, you know, and it rolls out in the countries because we're still trying, you know, and getting theatrical distribution sure. in various yeah. countries and each one has their own requirements. Mm. Um, but they are, you know, we have deals with them all over the place now. And as it, as it rolls out in each country, you know, and finishes its other runs, then it goes on to Netflix. Um, but I would also say um, one of the other things we did that was really critical is we were very hands-on with the theaters that we tried wherever in any city that it opened yeah. so richard would tell us that there's a booking at some city and uh we would try to arrange something with local physicists that uh -huh. they would go to at least one <laughs> screening yeah. and so you know because i mean david and i you know we would try to go to some you know we did a lot of the major ones new york washington dc yeah, sure but you know all the other ones we didn't but but in fact david was really really hands-on about this and he i think he sort of blew richard's mind um, because he basically provided this incredible spreadsheet of every city, you know, people that they could contact. Mm. And they sort of took that on, and Richard then would interact with them, and they would at least, you know, when it opened, they would at least have one or two screenings where the local papers could advertise that uh, there were going to be people there. And people, that really made a big difference. People really went to those. And, and eventually, people started doing it on their own. So I remember in Santa Cruz, you know, we had booked it, Richard had booked it in Santa Cruz, and then we read that there was a group of people from the Atlas Experiment that had just on their own decided they were going to do an event. They had talked to the theater, they were going to the theater, mm. and they were, um, they uh, they had a big event, and it was a big sellout crowd. <laughs> so that really, really yeah. was, a, 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 I think, a big help. I mean, which is, you know, what people talk about, and this, we, we really did this, I think, in a pretty good way, you know, to really... Uh, and that's still happening. I mean, that is also some of the things that's really happening now is that where we are seeing things is that people are still organizing uh, talks, physics departments. Now mm. now they can actually buy the film. You know, they can buy the DVD or something. Yeah. And they will organize a screening. And uh, and it's still 
has you know getting huge audiences for people. I mean, it is amazing to me. I mean, you think you know, I think oh, it's been out in you know, it's been out in theaters and it's on on Netflix, but people still go to these special events actually because yeah. they people want to talk about the film afterwards a lot, and so. Um, it's good, you know, when people do it, and and the physics community. I mean, luckily, the other thing is the physics community has totally embraced the film, and so <laughs> that would, uh, it would be a totally different case if they were against it. But I don't think that'd be right. the case, right? That's right. <laughs> and so for them, it's they they are really enthusiastic. I think they're really happy with you know a, a certain authenticity, and it's you know it captures a very very exciting moment for many of them as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this film and for people who are interested to check it out. Obviously, there's Netflix. Where, where else should they go? On, on iTunes, I imagine? iTunes, Amazon, yeah. vo- you know, Vudu. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's all, it's, 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 you know, we're trying to, and our website, actually. Okay. So on our website, they can purchase it with, it has some additional extras as well. Oh, fantastic. So. Cool. Well, thank you so much. It was, it was a pleasure talking with you. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye-bye.